0: Welcome to this week's Weekly Recap. We're reading through the Bible in a year, and we're very close to the end. Uh, This week, our reading was from John chapter 12 to Acts chapter 8. So that's what we're going to be going over today. Uh, I'm Corey. If this is your first time here, I'm here with my husband, Matlock, too. Hey, Matlock.
1: Hey.
0: Hey. Hey. All right. (laughs) We're going to jump in John chapter 12. So we see Jesus traveling to Bethany, uh, to the house of Lazarus specifically. Remember who last week we talked about him raising Lazarus from the dead. So uh, Mary and Martha, Lazarus's sisters, are in his home as well. Uh, He travels there six days before the Passover. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. He stops there first. We see Mary, Lazarus's sister, anointing Jesus's feet with expensive perfume we see, uh, Judas Iscariot seemingly outraged over this because it was really expensive perfume. So he chastises Mary for wasting money. Uh, Jesus stands up for Mary and her offering, uh, mentioning that it's actually for his burial. So he's been prophesying that he is going to die, that he is going to be killed. Uh, we learn that there was actually a plot out to kill Lazarus as well, because Lazarus was becoming a bit of a tourist attraction for Christ. You know, he had been risen from the dead. Well, let's go see that guy who died <laughs> yeah. and came back, right? You yeah. can see that happening. Yeah. And then Lazarus it like- uses it as an opportunity to talk about Christ.
1: You're yeah. yeah, like the parable.
0: Yeah, what is happening here? Uh, there's a record of Jesus's triumphal entry, so his his going into Jerusalem before the Passover and the people greeting him, a big group of people greeting him, yelling messianic phrases at him and praising God and thanking them for Jesus. Uh, we're also told that Greeks, so Gentiles, came to see Jesus. This, this concept of the Gentile world being attracted to Jesus again. Um, Jesus again predicts his death. Uh, saying basically it's time. This is going to happen now, sooner rather than later. That was all in John chapter 12. In John chapter 13, we have the record, the very famous record now, of Jesus washing the feet of his 12 disciples. He predicts again that he's going to be betrayed by one of them. Uh, Jesus then tells Judas to go and to do it quickly. But the disciples don't really understand that Jesus is saying, Judas is the one who's going to betray me. They think that, you know, Jesus and Judas have had a conversation about something that Judas was supposed to go do. And Jesus is now telling him to go and do it quickly. So they're not really sure, you know, what's going on here. And then Jesus also predicts Peter's denial of him. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples that he is going to prepare a place for them, that he's coming back for them. And this is the idea of this is a really interesting cultural idea that Jesus is picking up on where he's going to bring them into the father's house. So how Jesus is next in line. He's the firstborn son. He is going to inherit the father's house and, and he's going and he's preparing places for these people to bring under his care, to bring under the care of his father in heaven, which is very interesting. Okay. When the disciple Thomas says to Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how can we follow you to these places that you're preparing? And, and how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus then promises that the Holy Spirit will be sent to believers. This Holy Spirit, uh, who is called the advocate, who will help them, who will be with them forever. And um, there's some really great classic Christian sayings of Christ in John chapter 14. Like, because I live, you also will live. Uh, and whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Some really great teaching from Jesus here in John 14. And it
1: also really emphasizes, like, anyone who denies the deity. I know this is a whole oneness movement about, like, you know, Jesus is just a prophet or whatever. Right. Anyone who denies the deity of Christ, it's like how can a prophet say, "I am the truth, the way, mm-hmm. and the life"? Is like a match, <laughs> mm-hmm. and to think that you can say that about yourself if you think you're a prophet, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm the way, the truth, just right. It's it's actually so much arrogance mm-hmm. to think like that, to to think that a human would say that. Yeah. I, right. So it's like clearly Christ it's throughout all of John. John is basically laying it out hard. Jesus is God, yeah. right? He's saying this over and over and over in different ways, but he just doesn't say Jesus is God. He yeah. just does. He does. He the word well, became he, flesh. He, he does, does. He does. He does. He just doesn't say it as quickly and sharply. He as doesn't, I it He doesn't. He doesn't
0: say it the way that we, That's in right. the 21st century, would want, want him to say That's it. But it. he says it in a Jewish context where everyone who was a Jew would, would know. That's exactly what he right. Was well, saying well, everyone yeah. knew what Jesus was claiming. That's why they tried to kill him and eventually right. did kill I, him. Right? From was "I
1: am." Yeah. Yeah. So that anyone who's saying that, I think not only there's just anyone who teaches that's way more dangerous, but right. anyone who's believing that just like, so caution them this, to get out of that. So yeah.
0: so even the cultural divide is seen in Jesus claiming to be the Son of God. So for us, we're like, oh, great, you're you're His son, you're related to Him. Great. Right. That's not what it meant. No. Right. It meant Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus says the only begotten son of God meant that Jesus was the, the, the inheritor of God's kingdom. So God had, given Jesus by his very nature, had the authority of God. He could say things in the name of God. That's why we see miracles happening with Christ, because he is endowed with the authority of the father. That's why he can say, I go to my father's house to prepare a room for you. So they would have gotten that back then, because to be a firstborn son, to be an only son of God meant that you were to have the kingdom of the father. It was your kingdom. Right. His kingdom is your kingdom as right. the only son, right? That's how the inheritance lines worked. Right. So, it was Christ's responsibility to Bring salvation for the people. To to he can he can create children of God because he can adopt children of God. It's his prerogative. It's his authority. So it's it's the Father's authority, but it's through Jesus because Jesus is the only Son of God. So there's this really deep cultural connection that, unfortunately, unless we try to find it, we are going to miss because we're like, oh great, that's not how inheritances work nowadays. That's not how families work. What's amazing
1: is that that cultural. Uh, I guess you could call it a symbol, that cultural symbol that was created by God, essentially, is reflective of God's nature. Mm-hmm. So we always think, oh, it's just their culture, is the way they were back then. But it's like, in a sense, God created a culture, or He's
0: using their culture because He didn't really. He, that's not unique right. to Jewish culture no, or right, Israeli right, like right, culture, of right? So, or He's taking it and He's showing He's He's showing how it works.
1: Yes, how right. how He but, functions
0: using symbols well, that they understand. Right,
1: okay, right, of course. Yes, it, the tomato, tomato. But yes, yes, it, it, right. <laughs> but yeah, very depends much depends on so. how you look at it, like yeah. the
0: angle. But interesting, yeah. isn't it?
1: Clearly, He's the deity. All right. He's clearly God. Clearly. Like, clearly. Don't deny that Yeah, ever.
0: Okay. No. John chapter 15. So this continues the, I am statements of Christ that we talked about on last week's recap. So we have Christ saying, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. You are the branches. So the point of all of this is that we have to be a part of Christ uh, and we must bear fruit, when we do, God will actually prune us. He will train us to make us even more fruitful. So this speaks my language as a as a aspiring home gardener. <laughs> it really does speak my language. I'm not growing grapes, unfortunately, yet. I don't have enough space, but this speaks to... My tomato growing. You know? I look at it, I'm like, hey, I train tomatoes up. This makes a lot of sense. You do prune them so that they will bear fruit more and better in the way you want them. So pruning equals training. Uh, now, the scary part is that if we don't bear fruit like a gardener, uh, God will cut us off the vine because we're not really in Christ. Uh, now, we need to remember we don't grow fruit on our own. We draw our energy like a plant from the vine, from the stem. So if you are really saved in Christ, you will naturally bear fruit. Uh, So if... Yeah, we're just going to move on from that, but it's a really interesting chapter to read for that gardening symbolism. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, as we follow Christ, as we internalize God's teaching and his words, we're going to begin to ask for and desire the things that God wants for us. And this brings in that whole, seek first the kingdom of God teaching, and then all of these things will be added onto you. Yeah. Because a lot of times there's some verses in chapter 15 that um, uh, people can misinterpret for uh, things like the prosperity gospel, prosperity doctrine, if you know anything about that. But uh, there's a lot of balance to Christ's teachings here where we need to remain in him. Uh, We need to, again, truly follow Christ and internalize and externalize his words and commands to us. We also hear in John 15 uh, talk about how the world will hate disciples of Christ. Um, And Jesus is speaking specifically to the 12 disciples here and his disciples that were around him. But also historically, this certainly applies to later believers and, and even to us today. So we will not be given preferential treatment because we are Christians. The world, the sinful world, you know, it's going to act as if it hates us. Uh, it's going to make decisions that that harm us. Jesus was persecuted for who he was. We will be persecuted for following him. This is something that we should expect. Okay, John chapter 16. Jesus prepares uh, his disciples for rejection by their own people. You know, he says they will put you out of the synagogues. This was culturally a horrible thing to be put out of. This, This represented Jewish community, Jewish life, as a whole and they're going to be put out of it Uh, when Jesus is gone he says that the Holy Spirit will continue to teach them Jesus also speaks to the disciples about a time of difficulty a time of grief that they're about to go through uh, but how it's only a time there's this series of really great verses on grief and on peace and on persecution so that's all in John chapter 16 in chapter 17 we have a recording of a prayer of Christ and Jesus prays that God would glorify him so that he could glorify God. So there's there's this cycle of glorification going on. Jesus then prays for his disciples specifically that God would protect them in the world so that they can fulfill their mission, which is preaching the kingdom of God and preaching Christ. Jesus then prays for all of the people who will believe in Jesus through the message of the disciples. So every other Christian ever, right? Jesus is praying for us here by, by that standard. And he prays for their, for our unity in God as a proper witness of God, for us to properly represent God to the world. Uh, and also that, 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 they would be with Christ in eternity.
1: Yeah, so let's read. I'll read a little bit. Sure. So okay. So let me just start here at uh, verse twenty, and we'll work our way down. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be done, all be one, just as you, Father, are are in me, and I in you, that they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me and I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world, the sinful world, may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So what's amazing here is that, first of all, God's saying that he loves the world, right, Is it, you know, the John 3.16 uh, throwback there. Mm-hmm. But the, the notion here is that God desires us to be in unity this is christ's prayer the the prayer of unity we ought to take for granted you know just how powerful unity is but it is like christ's soul like on his death basically he's going to die he's like this is my prayer mm-hmm. i want christians to be united i want those who believe in me to be perfectly one that's his, his prayer and what's amazing about that is we have this whole world today that's built around let's say apologetics mm-hmm. right deconstructing arguments i'm involved in this that we, we talk about all the time but apologetics only exists because we lack that mm-hmm. you have unity you have true spiritual moral unity in the way that christ is talking about here there's no reason to deconstruct the arguments people will just flock people will see it and recognize it for what it is mm-hmm. but we've in a real way in a very strong social political way have removed that unity um and it's very unfortunate it's very unfortunate. But that doesn't mean, you know, it, it can't be restored. It's just you know, we're at this moment in time where things are just quite glo- uh, gloomy.
0: Yeah, it, it's a big deal. And 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 it, by our very nature, by our very human nature now, we divide. Right. And we fight. And we argue. And that's not to say that there isn't a place for debate or disagreement. Right. But it's very interesting that unity is such of prime importance to Christ? Yeah,
1: we've kind of forgotten about it. We've kind of made it like a a thing that'll happen one day if God's willing. Yeah, it's like well, God. But are is- we actively <laughs> yeah, pursuing it? Are we right.
0: actively trying to? That's right. You know, be peacemakers and and be yeah. united in 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 the core beliefs of Christianity. That's
1: right. And and one thing I think that would help foster that understanding more is that you talked about the vine. Understanding that people are growing mm-hmm. and not looking at everyone. You know, like a, oh, you're on like an on and off switch. You're on here, you're off there. On here, off there. Mm-hmm. You just look at them like a rubric. Do check mark, check mark. Right now, X. Uh, you got to look at them like everyone's growing, and that means everyone's. You know, you got to foster that growth. You got to you got to yeah. water it. You got to yeah. give it sunlight.
0: It's not going to be like a cookie cutter. No, like, it when can't you go be. into a garden and yeah. you see you see a plant that's growing, the branches look different. They're in different stages. That's right. You know, it has this very organic, natural look to it, as opposed to. Cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter. That's right. Yeah.
1: And that's the way life is. I think we need to get back to that way of looking at it.
0: Yeah. Okay. John chapter 18. So this is a record of Jesus being arrested at night. And John adds a really interesting detail to this, to uh, Jesus's arrest. Uh, Jesus asks them who they're looking for, this big posse, this mob that's come to arrest him. And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus replies, I am he. And the scriptures say that they draw back and they fall to the ground. So there's some sort of power. There's some sort of something that happens when Jesus says, I am he. We see Peter cutting off the high priest servant's ear with a sword. His name is giving, given. It's Malchus. Jesus then corrects Peter, don't do do that. No. No swords, no fighting here right now. And he heals Malchus's ear. Uh, we get more specific detail about Peter's denial of Christ that's coming up because it seems that John was a witness of this. He saw Peter and heard Peter deny Christ. So it. It says a disciple, which is probably John, who's writing this account, and Peter followed Jesus. And because John knows the high priest, he's allowed to go into the trial proceedings. Oh yeah, that's John. You can come in, right? He's allowed to go in. And John ends up pulling some strings and actually getting Peter let into the trial as well. Uh, so, So we get some behind the scenes detail here in John chapter 18. So we see Jesus then being questioned by Annas and Caiaphas, and then he's sent to Pontius Pilate, who's in Jerusalem for the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. John chapter 19. Jesus is sentenced to crucifixion and there's um, political language that's being used by the chief priests to try to claim that, you know, this crucifixion isn't actually about their religious views or beliefs at all. It's actually because they are so loyal to Caesar, they want Jesus dead because he is creating insurrection. He's claiming to be greater than Caesar. So Jesus is crucified here in John chapter 19. There's a lot of uh, small details that are given by John that aren't given by the other gospels. Uh, for example, that Jesus's undergar- undergarment was seamless. So he had this seamless tunic. It would have been quite expensive. Uh, it was woven solid, right? No no seams in there. Um, uh, we're told that Mary, Jesus's mother, uh, and then Jesus's aunt, and also Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene were standing near the cross. Um, we're told that Jesus entrusted care of his mother to to the disciple, again, likely John. When Jesus dies, uh, John gives his word as an eyewitness that Jesus was dead, dead. He wasn't faking death. He wasn't passed out. He was dead, dead. Uh, We see Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus bury Jesus's body in uh, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Okay. John 20. So this records Mary Magdalene going to the tomb while it was still dark. And she sees that the ceiling stone of the tomb has been moved. So she runs to Peter and John and they come back. And when John goes into the tomb, he writes a note in his gospel that he believed. At that moment, John saw and John believed. Jesus appears first to Mary Magdalene. Then Jesus appears to the other disciples. He appears again to the group of disciples for the sake of Thomas, because Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared the first time. Imagine that. Imagine being that guy, that Thomas who wasn't there, being the only guy who wasn't there. That would feel... Not great, I can imagine. So it's very, very kind that yeah. Jesus appeared again. Uh, and verse 30 to 31 gives us, a, gives us the purpose of John's gospel. Uh, it says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. It's not claiming to be an exhaustive biography of Christ here. It's a selected edition of his works so that we can have confidence that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the purpose of the Gospel of John. Okay, John chapter 21, the last chapter we have Jesus appearing to the seven to seven of the disciples when they're in Galilee fishing, And Jesus makes them breakfast on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus sort of reinstates Peter. You know, Peter has denied Jesus three times. So Jesus gets Peter uh, to, he commissions Peter three times uh, to feed his sheep, which again are believers in him. Okay, now we're going to do the first few chapters of Acts. So Acts chapter one, the disciples come back to Jerusalem for Pentecost, which is a a festival that was celebrating the harvest. It's been over a month since the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And Jesus tells them to stay in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit and Jesus ascends into heaven. So then we've got this group of Jesus's disciples, men and women, uh, about 120 of them, all waiting for this promise of Christ, the promised Holy Spirit. Matthias is chosen by Lot to replace Judas Iscariot. They thought it was very important for there to be 12 head disciples uh, that would be called apostles. Matthias had been a disciple of Christ since his baptism by John the Baptist, and he was a witness of the resurrection as well, so the appearances of Christ. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit does come to this group of 120 disciples on the day of Pentecost, and they preach Jesus in Jerusalem in languages they don't normally speak. They don't naturally know, um, and they speak in these languages, two visitors from around the Roman Empire who have come to Jerusalem for the feast. So Peter then preaches a salvation message to the crowd, and we're told about 3,000 people respond and are baptized into Christ. There's this honeymoon period of the church that's described here in Acts chapter 2. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they were, they were sharing this really great time period of the church. Acts chapter three gives us a record of Peter and John going to the temple complex and they come across a lame man who is begging at the gates of the temple. And, uh, and he, he's healed by Peter and John in the name of Christ. So God heals God heals this man through Peter and John and he comes with them this healed man into the temple to pray uh, and people start gathering around them and Peter begins to teach Acts chapter four some of the Sadducees are really really disturbed by Peter's uh, preaching because he's talking about the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ which of course the Sadducees did not believe in. only the Pharisees believed in the resurrection from the dead uh So they arrest Peter and John overnight. In the morning, the high priest and and his family and the elders and the teachers of the law meet with Peter and John. They hear their testimony about Jesus Christ and they warn them, don't preach in his name anymore. And this famous line of Peter's happens here, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So they threaten them even more, but they can't deny that this, this healing of the man was real uh, and everyone was talking about it. So we're also told that the, the believers in Christ, they gather together and they pray, not that they wouldn't be arrested again, but instead that they would have boldness to preach the name and word of Christ despite the threats of retaliation. They pray that God would heal more people, that, they would, that he would perform more miracles uh, to have this witness of his reality, to keep creating these opportunities for Christians to preach, right? I love this reasoning. I think it's really important here because I think in today's day and age, we often ask for miracles for our own benefit mm. because we want to be healed because we want to be out of discomfort. But here, when these miracles were actually happening, they were praying for miracles as opportunities to witness for Christ, to preach for Christ. It's a different motivation. All right, Acts chapter five. This is about Ananias and Sapphira's judgment. So these are Christians and they lie to Peter, about what they're giving financially to the apostles and to the Christian church. Now, this means, this lie means that they're actually looking for credit for people to be like, oh, wow, you're so righteous. You're so amazing. And as a result of this, they're struck dead by the Holy Spirit. They fall down dead. So God enforces here this basic principle of honesty, of truth, of reality here. The apostles become known healers, we're told. And so people are brought to the temple complex from all around. There's these guys, they're preaching Christ, they can heal people, let's go. Let's go to the temple complex. Now, the high priest and the Sadducees arrest the apostles and put them in jail, but they're miraculously let out of jail in the night, and they're told to preach to people in the temple complex plex at daybreak. So they do. Um, The Sanhedrin comes for them as they're preaching, and they stand strong in the teaching of Christ. Uh, So the Sanhedrin, as a result, wants to have them stoned. But a teacher, a wise teacher named Gamaliel, he he was respected, is what I mean by a wise teacher. He was respected. He intervenes, and he convinces the Sanhedrin that if this is a movement of mere men, it's going to die out on its own. But if this is a movement from God, then nothing that the Sanhedrin could do would stop it anyway. So let's just wait and see. This is the wait and see approach proposed by Gamaliel. So uh, the apostles are flogged, they're beaten, and they're warned to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, and they're let go. Except, of course, they keep preaching. Jesus in the temple and we're told from house to house so they start going from house to house they start going around in the community now right. and preaching as well Acts chapter 6 so the believers in Christ choose seven godly men to be in charge of the distribution of food to the needy believers now so it's grown they need some administration work so this is what they do one of these men who is named Stephen was performing wonders and signs and he was arrested on false charges of blasphemy. So then Acts chapter seven, we see this, this person who in our day and age would be like, oh, he's just an administration. No big deal. He's just an administrator of the church. <laughs> yeah. Pretty big deal that the people that they chose to be administrators in the church he, were performing wonders and signs and were able to preach. So, C, so Stephen appears in Acts chapter 7 before the Sanhedrin, accused of blasphemy, which carried a death penalty. He was accused specifically of claiming that Jesus will destroy the temple and the law of Moses. Stephen then gives this speech that goes back through the history of Israel from Abraham to Solomon. Uh, He quotes Isaiah to show that God doesn't really live in any physical temple. He indicts the people of resisting the Holy Spirit, of resisting understanding, and he charges them with the persecution of the prophets just as ancient Israel persecuted the true prophets of God and even killed the true prophets of God. Now you are arresting us. You are stoning us. And of course, this doesn't go well. So Stephen is dragged out of the city and he's stoned to death by an angry mob that we're told included Saul, who will later become Paul, the apostle. Acts chapter 8, the last chapter we're looking at today. Saul later becomes Paul, begins hunting down Christians and putting them in prison. So this is the linchpin. Stephen is the linchpin for this. The result of Saul's persecution is that Christians begin leaving Jerusalem and preaching Christ in new cities. So the gospel begins to be spread all over Judea. Now, Philip, we're told, who was one of the seven administrators He goes to a town in Samaria and there's revival there. So there's this really interesting incident with Simon, who's called Simon the sorcerer, who believes in Christ. He gets baptized, but sin is still in his heart. And it's revealed when he actually offers the apostles money to receive their kind of power from God. This this whole account is really, really important. And it's recorded likely... Cause a lot of incidences were not recorded. We don't know who, who are the other, who are the other five? We've heard about <laughs> Stephen. We've heard about Philip. Who are the other five? What were they doing? This incident is probably recorded because Jesus has told the disciples that the kingdom of God is going to be preached in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So we've seen Jerusalem and now we see Philip go to Samaria and then we're going to see the ends of, of, of right. the Roman earth. Okay. Uh, and we see a hint of this coming up uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch who is taught and baptized by Philip on his way to Ethiopia. So again, that's to the rest of the world, right? So we're seeing that mission play out here in Acts, which is really what Acts is all about, hmm. uh, this this furthering mission of the Christian church. Okay, that's, we did it. Awesome. We looked at John chapter 12 hmm. to Acts chapter 8. That's the end of the recap, but stick around if you want to hear about next year. So quick announcement about next year. We're still going to be doing the recap, but we're also you laughing at me, <laughs> You're laughing at my subject. Stick around for this
1: one second. All right, there you we go. Well,
0: yeah. a lot of people just click it off. <laughs>
1: they, they click it off when we're done the recap, which
0: I get. I get it. Yeah. But uh, next year, we're still doing a recap. but We also want to interact more with... Uh, questions that you have about the scriptures and we want to interact more with ideas and controversies that come up as we're reading through the Bible it naturally happens especially in our culture today so in preparation for next year for reading through Genesis and Exodus if you have any questions that the texts the text of the Bible brings up for you please write it in the comments below. Matlock and I are going to be taking a look at it. We want to interact with some questions that you have, some issues that you have with Genesis and Exodus specifically. So please do that. Until next week, have a good one. Study hard, read well, and we'll see you then. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.